0: good morning. My name is Karen Belita and I am the president of your Board of Trustees. I would like to welcome everyone to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton online Zoom Church Service. I would especially like to welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms after the service has ended. Plus, you are welcome to go to our online guestbook, which you can find on the uce.ca website. We gratefully acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, home of First Nations. Métis, and Inuit people over many centuries. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. I'm sure that many of you are excited to hear the first service from our new interim minister, Reverend Leanne Washington, and she will introduce herself throughout this service. But first, Let's enjoy a prelude performed by Yo-Yo Ma.
1: Delighted to be here, and I am so honored to be the minister for this congregation during the interim between Reverend Bryan's departure and the arrival of your next settled minister. As we begin our journey together, the theme for this month is From Here to There. Today, I will share with you a bit of my personal journey from attorney to UU minister. Next Sunday, we will discuss the role of faith in all journeys where the outcome is uncertain. On the Sunday after that, we will explore how this interim period can be a time of great spiritual growth, self-actualization, and discovery for this congregation. Now, let us begin our sacred time together as Unitarian Universalist congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. Our chalice lighting this morning was written by Christine Robinson. We gather this hour as people of faith, with joys and sorrows, gifts and needs. We like this beacon of hope, sign of our quest for truth and meaning, and celebration of the life we share together. Please enjoy verses one through three of hymn number 22. Sorry, hymn number 298. Wake now, my senses.
2: Now, my senses, and hear the earth call. Feel the deep power. Friend, praying and their hardship to end.
1: An important part of our community is sharing the joys and sorrows of our lives. If you have a personally significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window where we will be able to see it. You may also send your cares and concerns to candles at uce.ca. for all the unspoken joys and sorrows held within the sanctuary of our hearts and also for all those who have yet to find a community, a spiritual home where they can share their joys and sorrows.
3: Sharing our abundance. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a self-governing and self-supporting community. It is all up to us. Since the pandemic started, we've been tested to see if we continue to live our principles in a changed world. Many members and friends continue their financial support of UCE, some trying out new ways to do that. For online methods, please visit our website at uce.ca. And let's not forget to share our abundance as we were doing before. For the month of September, UCE has identified Camp Firefly to support. Please take time to send them some financial support through their website as you are willing and able to do so. Also, we look forward to people from Camp Firefly joining us after the Sunday service next week to to thank us for more than 10 years of support. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so the story I'm about to share with you is adapted from Lauren Isley's work. It, ha- it is a portion of a greater work, and that portion has been adapted and adapted as the starfish story. One morning, a man who started every morning with a walk along the beach arrived at the beach. There he saw hundreds, if not thousands, of starfish that had been stranded there after a particularly vicious storm overnight. When he saw all of them, he shook his head with sorrow, completely overwhelmed by the sight. As he walked along the beach, he kept his head down and stepped gingerly so that he could continue with his morning routine without stepping on any of the starfish. Eventually, he looked up and saw a young girl in the distance on the beach. It looked as if she were dancing on the beach, and that made him smile as he continued to walk in her direction. As he got closer, his brow furrowed because he couldn't tell what the little girl was doing or whether she was dancing or it seems like she was just running to and fro. She was running from the beach to the edge of the water and back to the beach again and back to the edge of the water. He wondered what could she be doing. So when he got close enough to speak to her, he looked up again and asked, what are you doing? Without hesitation, the young girl told the man that she was returning the starfish to the water so they wouldn't die as the tide was going out and the sun was coming up. She also told the man that if she didn't do anything, the starfish would dry out on the beach and die. But little one, the man said, look around you. The starfish are so many. The beach goes on for miles. And you, my dear, are just one child. You cannot hope to make a difference. The young girl stopped what she was doing and looked at the man crestfallen. For now, she too was overwhelmed and so very sad. Then, as she looked around at all the starfish lying on the beach and at the one in her hand, a smile began to grow and she tossed her starfish back into the sea. Defiantly and with a bright smile, She said to the man, I made a difference for that one. Sometimes I do feel like the man in our story, overwhelmed by all that needs fixing in the world. I sometimes feel as though I'm just trying to continue to put one foot before the other on my designated path which has always included a desire to see people treated fairly, some might say justly. The title of today's sermon, Justice, Justice, Shalt Thou Pursue, comes from the King James Version of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verses 18 through 20. This is a part of the biblical story where the Israelites are leaving Egypt in pursuit of freedom, They're leaving Egypt because they have become slaves in Egypt, and they have been oppressed by the pharaohs, and they had a deep, deep longing for freedom and a land of their own. At this point of the biblical narrative, the Israelites, led by Moses, have left Egypt and are wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Again, imagine... 40 years camping out in the desert. Camping out in the wilderness. As you can imagine, the Israelites are more than ready to settle down somewhere. But before they can, they have to agree on a social contract. A covenant, if you will. So Moses teaches the Israelites about how to establish a court system. A court system, by the way, which became the foundation of our modern Western judiciary and our modern Western uh, justice systems. So Moses tells them, you shall appoint judges and officials throughout your tribes and all your towns. They shall render just decisions for people. And then he gives advice that we wish more of our modern day politicians and judges would heed. He told the Israelites, you must not distort justice. You must not show partiality. And you must not accept bribes. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of those who are in right. Justice, justice shall you pursue. This admonition... To pursue justice and not distort it with partiality and bribes resonated with me at a young age. I was always the first to cry foul when someone I knew was unjustly accused of something or being made fun of or being abused in some way. I got myself into trouble a lot sticking up for other people. No one was surprised when I became a lawyer and as a lawyer I was committed to fairness and justice for my clients within the rules of the legal system in which I was working. For over 25 years, I was guided by the command to pursue justice. And I found fulfillment and satisfaction in representing my clients in the US legal system. Eventually, however, I became aware that our justice system isn't always as just as one might think, and that a one rule fits all system often leaves out those who do not have the financial means, the background, or the opportunities of those for whom the rules were made. The underlying assumptions of the U.S. legal system were often wrong. Eventually, I spent time as a modern Orthodox Jewish woman, and you'll hear a little bit more about that later. But for now, I just referenced this experience to explain that it was during my studies that I discovered that what English translates as justice is really two different concepts in Hebrew. The first concept is the Hebrew word mishpat, which refers to respecting people's rights. It's a more formal and rules-oriented justice that speaks of the punishment being equal to the crime. It is the basis of our Western legal systems. Mishpat, however, is not the Hebrew word used in this passage. The Hebrew word that Moses uses here is tzedekah. It's also a form of justice. It refers, however, to the day-to-day living in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity, and equity. This idea of justice is roughly equivalent to our first and second principles. Our commitment to respect the inherent worth and dignity of every person and to act with justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. This theme of tzedekah is one of the constants in my life. As a child, as you heard already, I was particularly concerned with fairness. I've, I. Related fairness, particularly to my experience in the educational system that insisted on blind adherence to rules over meeting the needs of the children in my classes. My natural tendency to advocate for myself and others continued into my teenage years where I wrote impassioned letters to the editor of my small town newspaper, calling out the unfairness of school policies, which you can imagine did not make me a favorite (laughs) among teachers and school administrators. In those days, I was growing up in the United Methodist Church. My grandfather was a prominent United Methodist minister in the Virginia Conference. He started the largest congregation in Virginia, and he also started Virginia Wesleyan University. But back then, I didn't know any of that. I only knew that my mother made me go to church every single Sunday unless I was on death's doorstep. And I didn't mind. I had friends at church. I led the youth group. I preached on youth Sundays. I went to special events in Washington DC and New York City, which exposed me to the social justice work of the church. But like many college age students, I didn't attend any church or other religious organization while I was getting my English degree at William & Mary. But I continued to be concerned about fairness. Although I originally intended to be a high school English teacher, It was no surprise to anyone that I made the last minute decision to continue my education at the University of Virginia Law School. I've often referred to myself as the accidental lawyer. During law school, I found a community of like-minded, justice-oriented individuals among my Jewish friends. I got curious and interested, so I began studying Judaism, first out of intellectual curiosity And then as a part of my conversion process, which led to my living over 10 years as a modern Orthodox Jewish woman in Stanford, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., and Richmond, Virginia. Now I'm going to stop for just a second because I think modern Orthodox Jewish women may not completely resonate with everyone. Orthodox in the sense that As a congregation, we observed all of the Jewish holidays. We kept kosher, we kept Shabbat, we kept, you've heard, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and we modestly. Modern, because my friends, the women that were my friends, were doctors and lawyers and professors and businesswomen. And the women within the religious circle were teachers and um, advisors and counselors. So that's modern orthodoxy. And while I was in that community, I learned that anything I do, including the mundane tasks of everyday living with the intention of connecting to the divine could be elevated to the realm of the spiritual and could be an expression of God's love in the world. I also learned that prayer is not just what I do before I go to bed or eat a meal. It is the way I live my life on a day-to-day basis. I studied Judaism and Jewish ethics from several rabbis who impressed upon me that they were less concerned about what I believed and far more concerned with my action in the world. What was I doing to help repair the world? What was I doing to bring more justice, more tzedekah into the world? My answer were my choices as an attorney representing individuals. It was while practicing family law in my own little firm and attending the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship in my local area, that I began to realize that any fair system of rules or laws needs a certain amount of mercy, a certain recognition that all people are always, are not always, similarly situated, and that sometimes people simply make mistakes. I began to feel that there was just too much mishpat, the rules-oriented justice, and not enough Sudecca, the compassionate form of justice. I also began to discern a deeper problem, a deeper pain that the justice system just could not address. I found that many of my clients were socially isolated, far from their families of origin and without a value-based community to support them. That's when I began to think about becoming a Unitarian Universalist minister. Within Unitarian Universalism, I found people with a plan of action, taking practical steps to bring justice, Sudecca, into the world. People who are bound in community, not by a common creed, but by a common set of principles and a common desire to embody what I understand as Sudecca. Here in Unitarian Universalism, I have found a home, and I envy those of you who have grown Up in it. I am grateful that you have stood fast against the tide of injustice and have stubbornly and joyfully defied those who say we can't make a difference. So, based on my spiritual journey thus far, I have in mind a different ending to our Starfish story. An ending that reflects the commitment and community I found in Unitarian Universalist congregations like the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My ending would reflect our shared experience that our efforts to repair the world and instill Sedeqah are multiplied when we join with other like-minded people. I want the story to end something like this. And after their conversation, the man recognized the truth in what the little girl had said. She was making a difference for each of the starfish that she returned to the water. He began to help her, throwing as many starfish back as he could. After a little while, the man once again considered what a big job it was that he and the little girl had undertaken. He realized that they could save many more starfish if they had more hands to help. So he told the little girl that he would stay on the beach, continuing the work that she had started while she ran to tell her parents and siblings and friends and neighbors about the plight of the starfish and asked for their help. Before long, the man was joined by dozens and dozens of people of all ages and hundreds, if not thousands, of starfish were saved that day. The people who had gathered there on the beach wondered how many other times the starfish had been stranded on the beach when there had been no one around to help them. Right then and there they made the commitment to come together after each big storm to return as many stranded starfish as they could. Now I ask you to consider the perspective of the starfish who must have been grateful for the people who realized their plight and saved them from certain death. In each of our lives, there's someone who's been there for us when we needed them, someone doing extraordinary things for us, a parent, a sibling, a family member, friend, teacher, mentor, boss, coworker. I invite you to take some time now and consider who that is for you. Once you know, then write the name of your person in the chat so that we may all appreciate them. Karen, if we can have just about 30 seconds to a minute for people to be able to write their person in the chat. Blessed be. And while the congregation is doing that, I need to adjust something. It seems that my um, computer, though connected to the charger, says that it's on a low charge. So I'm going to turn off my video for a minute and attend to that and join you for the rest of the service. If you haven't added your person yet, please feel free to continue to do so throughout the rest of the service. Thank you for those of you who participated. It was quite a joy to see all the people who feel like they have someone who has saved them in a significant way. I invite you now to join me in a responsive reading. And of course, because of delays and such, I'm going to ask you to do so even with your microphones um, off. I will begin with the brown, and ask you to respond uh, from the red text. I am only one, but still, I am one. I cannot do everything, but still, I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Please enjoy the remaining verses, verse 4 and 5.
2: Wake now my conscience with justice thy guide. Join with all people whose rights are denied. Take not for granted
1: Please enjoy the words of Elizabeth Sell Jones, found as number 456 in our gray hymnal. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. As we end our time together and go out into the world, I share with you the words of Laurelyn Bellamy. If here you found freedom, take it with you into the world. If you have found comfort, go and share it with others. If you have dreamed dreams, help one another that they may become true. If you have known love, give some back. To a bruised and hurting world. Go forth in peace. Now we invite you to take a few or take a five-minute comfort break, during which time you may also want to watch the announcements, which will be scrolling on your screen after oh, scrolling on your screen. Sorry. Um, Upon your return, you will be moved into your smaller coffee time for about 15 minutes, after which you'll be invited back into the larger group for a casual conversation with me. Now, we close our service with carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again.